There's an experience in driving an EV that's really hard to articulate until you actually do it. And it's about the responsiveness of the vehicle. When you get in an electric vehicle and you press the, the accelerator, the car responds instantly because it's just electrons flowing through the motor. And it's hard to articulate how much that changes the driving experience. The car feels so much more responsive and so much better to drive. And I'm not a car fanatic by any sense, but having driven an EV for quite some time now and experienced driving petrol vehicles, the experience is just compelling when you're in an electric vehicle. And once all of those things go, those other factors go away, the, the range in the infrastructure and the price, I would absolutely choose an electric vehicle every single time. The experience is just incredible. I'm Jane Ryan, and this is Rewired from Arena, a show exploring the future of energy in Australia. This season, we're looking at the technologies set to change how we create and use power. In this episode, the transition to electric vehicles. Around the world, many people have already made the switch to an EV and are enjoying the benefits that come with driving a car that runs on battery power. But the electric vehicle market is still in its early days. There are many challenges in the transition to mass adoption, from access to charging infrastructure to the impact on our grid. So if you were to buy an electric car today, what would the owner experience look like? Driving is an interesting thing in an electric vehicle. I think it calms everybody down. It's just, it's quiet. This is Howard Elston, who we first met in the previous episode. You know, if you're decarbonising your life, it's the sort of thing you've got to look at. So, okay, could I get an electric vehicle? We were lucky enough to get one uh, at a good price. So we managed to buy one of the first gen Nissan Leafs. And we've been driving that ever since. And it's just fantastic to have a, an electric vehicle. The whole trick is to be very efficient. So you're not blasting off at the lights. Uh, yes, we could if we wanted to, because it's an electric vehicle. So the acceleration on it, it's pretty quick if you want it to be. But you just sort of relax into it. And it's an urban vehicle. It's fantastic around town, because if you're sitting in a set of lights, it's not using any energy. It's just sitting there, waiting for you to move on. And uh, I'm very happy with it. Owning an EV has changed my relationship with my car in that I now love my car. It is a joy to drive an electric car. This is Australia's chief scientist, Dr. Alan Finkel. Driving an electric car is a very different experience. The um, vehicle is extremely responsive to the accelerator and uh, obviously quite powerful. So you have this very connected feeling. It's, it's a pleasure. As an early adopter, Howard says the financial benefits, especially when paired with rooftop solar, are a huge incentive. We charge it at night uh, in off-peak or during the day if it's summer, we'll charge it off our own solar system. So we're not seeing a lot of money going out in terms of maintenance for it. Um, so compared to my diesel, um, which hopefully I'll be getting rid of soon when I get enough money for another electric vehicle, uh, the maintenance cost is much lower. Uh, the operating cost is way lower than that. So it's our vehicle of choice around town. And compared to filling up your typical petrol-powered car, charging the battery of an EV is a very different experience. The charging experience is always plug your car in and kind of walk off 
to go and get a coffee or something to eat. So people don't hang around holding the plug in the same way that they would hold the petrol pump whilst they're charging their car. Um, so it's a bit of a different experience when you're charging. You don't have to stand there and wait. And most people will plug in at home, and I do this myself regularly. So a couple of times a week, I'll come home from work, plug in my car, and I go inside and have dinner and hang out with the kids and go to bed and I wake up the next morning, the car's been plugged in for 10 plus hours and I don't really know how long it took and it doesn't matter because I didn't have to stand there and wait. The time that I spent charging was kind of 30 seconds plugging in and then it happened whilst I was away. This is Martin Andrews, CEO of ChargeVox, a startup that operates Australia's biggest open EV charging network, making it easier and more efficient for electric car owners to top up when they're on the go. Yeah, so drivers uh, can download an app on an iPhone or an Android phone, and that app contains a map with all of the charging stations on it, so it's easy to find out where they are. And you can use that app to start and stop charging. Some charging stations have a price on them, in which case you can record your credit card details in the app. When you start and stop charging, the price of the charging session is billed to your credit card. Uh, but very easy to kind of use the app to, to use the charging stations. Arena has supported ChargeVox with $6 million in funding as they roll out their charging network across Australia. The project aims to connect major cities with 21 ultra-rapid charging stations, which could add up to 400 kilometres of range within 15 minutes. Arena is also supporting EV networks with another $15 million in funding. It will be used for a further 42 fast charging locations installed at roadside service centres around the country. These projects are key to mass market adoption as they'll help reduce range anxiety and ensure that there'll be somewhere you can charge your EV in minutes. This is a huge step for the growth in electric vehicle uptake, and Australia has come a long way in a relatively short time. I've started to see that pop up around the country in some really interesting locations as well. You know, Yachuca in, in, in regional Victoria, um, but City of Adelaide also has uh, charging stations. So we're starting to see that, and without that infrastructure, you are expecting to see a lower level of take-up. This is the head of policy for the Energy Efficiency Council, Rob Murray-Leach. So... Um, I think we've seen a really dramatic shift in people's perception. I've also been watching take-up of electric vehicles around the world for you know, 10 years now, um, since I wrote a, a report on it. And there's a, been a really radical shift globally in just the last two years. So um, what we call an S-curve of adoption, which is you get very, very low uptake of a new technology for a long time, starts to, to peak up, and then suddenly there's this just giant leap in, in adoption over sort of a you know five ten year period and then it sort of saturates out and that tends to go off. So you can definitely see the the beginning of the S curve very very truly now in electric vehicles are rapidly taking up around the world. So EVs have a lot of upsides. They're good for the environment with zero emissions and you don't have all the noise associated with a petrol car. They're cheaper to run, and who doesn't want to save money on their fuel bill? At the moment, Australia still has low adoption rates for EVs, but that's expected to change dramatically over the coming decade, as cars become cheaper and more charging stations have rolled out. All major manufacturers are planning to electrify their lineup. 
But with that mass adoption comes a problem. What happens to our grid when everyone owns an electric car? Electric vehicles represent a great opportunity, but also come with some risks for the power system. This is CEO of Arena, Darren Miller. So the great opportunity of electric vehicles is that by switching from petrol and diesel to electricity, it's actually much cheaper when you look at what it costs to run an electric vehicle off electricity versus the same kind of vehicle of petrol. It's about, you know, it's at least a fifth of the cost. So you have this huge cost reduction for the vehicle owner. What you have to worry about though and plan for is the strain on the electricity system. So you need to consider how people will charge their vehicles. These are generally higher powered chargers than you have other equipment in your home. Uh, and so if everyone's charging their vehicles at the same time, that's a concern for the electricity system when you be able to manage that in, in a sensible way. So some of the work that Arena is doing is around how do you manage the charging of those vehicles? How do you engage with consumers to give them the right price signals, the right incentives? Do you work through the car manufacturers? Do you work through the smart charging technology? There's a range of options there to ensure that we're not overburdening the electricity system as electric vehicles become more prevalent. But there's also a great opportunity with that with that risk, and that is that by having more electricity flowing through the system and balancing that out in a sensible way, it'll actually make the system more efficient because we'll utilize more of what, what is there than we are today. And by utilizing more, it sort of brings down the average cost for everybody. So there's a great opportunity in the transition to electric vehicles to not only benefit those who buy and, and use electric vehicles, but to benefit other users of the electricity system through a reduction in their bills um, that they might experience. Around the world, car manufacturers are all making a commitment to converting their fleets by 2030 or the mid-2030s to zero emissions vehicles, which will be a combination of battery electric vehicles and hydrogen electric vehicles. Dr Finkel again. Eventually, in Australia, you'll see the majority of new cars being electric vehicles. Very, very many of them will be battery electric vehicles and they'll be charging primarily at home. So there are some people who envisage a nightmare scenario where everybody in their battery electric car comes home at six o'clock on a hot day, plugs in their car to recharge, goes inside, turns on the air conditioning, opens the refrigerator and bang, there's a blackout. Well, it's not realistic. It's the nightmare scenario, but it's not realistic. First of all, and I'm speaking from experience here because I have been an electric car driver now for six years, it's a little bit like driving a petrol car. You don't plug your electric car in until that little orange light comes on or the equivalent of the orange light. You don't plug your car in every time you have an opportunity. So already with the car that I've had for a long time, we don't plug it in all that often. But as the vehicles get higher battery capacity, 400, 500, 600, 700 kilometres range, people will be plugging them in once a week and they'll plug them in when it's most convenient for them. Sometimes when they get home, sometimes in the middle of the afternoon on the weekend, sometimes after they come back from dinner late at night. So I don't think it's realistic that everybody's gonna plug in at the same time. But if it does turn out to be a growing problem, every single car that is made is intelligent in the sense that it can communicate with the charger. And it would be very easy with time to arrange for all the charging stations to be 
visible to the energy market operator. So the energy market operator could say, hey, go slow, charge only at 50% rate for the next two hours because it's a hot day and we've got a pending problem. So wherever you can see a problem, I can see a solution. One of the countries that's been examining this issue is Germany. It's home to Volkswagen, one of the biggest vehicle manufacturers worldwide. Germany is focused on making sure their energy grid can deal with the huge influx of EVs expected to hit the market. The question of how new loads, as we call them, including electric vehicles, but also including, for example, heat pumps, will impact our in particular distribution grids has been discussed from very early on. And there have been or had been, I need to say, concerns that our distribution grids would not be able to cope with the demand, at least when it comes in at the same time. This is Managing Director of the German Energy Agency, Christina Haverkamp. So the typical case is people driving home with their electric vehicle, plugging it in, going into the kitchen, turning off the oven, going down into the cellar, turning on the washing machine. Um, There were fears that that would make our low-voltage lines go through the street. Those concerns we do not have anymore. For one, we have been testing with model streets even how people behave with electric vehicles. And it turns out that charging does not have as many synchronous uh, moments as expected because people are just different. Some of them have a high need for security, so they really do plug in every evening. They come home even if they still have like 60% in the battery. Others are rather daring, so they only plug in every three or four days. Others are flexible. They use um, the plugging stations at the local trader. They may use the plugging station while going into a bar, which is on the street. So there's much less of this, all of them charging at once than we had expected. And also at least slow charging, and that's what is usually taking place at home, can be controlled without a lot of additional technology by the grid distributor. So they can attribute certain times. All of the cars being charged fully in the morning if they want to, but for some it starts at 10, ends at 12, and others it starts at 12 and ends at 2, 2 in the morning. So it is something you can cope with. As a country, Germany has a goal to move towards 100% renewable energy by 2050, which we'll explore in a later episode. Part of that transition involves reducing their carbon footprint, something the auto industry has struggled with. Yes, we uh, Germany is um, putting a lot of money into the uptake of electric, uh, battery electric transport. The reason for that being that the transport sector is the only sector that has not reduced emissions since 1990. In fact, emissions there are higher now than they were in 1990. We give uh, financial 
incentives to people that buy battery electric cars. And uh, there is public support for building up charging station infrastructure. So I think electric vehicles are going to be a really big opportunity for Australia. This is Rob Murray-Leach again. They're generally just better cars, right? They've got incredible acceleration, low emissions. So there are huge benefits of electric vehicles, and particularly in outer suburbs of Australia, um, where you don't have great public transport, walking and cycling infrastructure, they're going to be critical to reducing our emissions. The other huge benefit of electric vehicles is they can be completely powered by renewables. Electric vehicles have the potential to be powered by renewable energy is, a, is kind of the statement I would say. So once you have a, if you have a petrol vehicle, that vehicle is always powered by, by, pet, by petrol, so you, you can't make it any more efficient over time. An electric vehicle, even if you power from kind of a standard mains outlet in Victoria, the Victorian grid is about 20% powered by renewables today, and that's a few percent up on a year ago and a, and a few percent more up on a year before that. So over time, the energy in the vehicle is becoming more and more green as the grid becomes more and more green. Now, in addition, there's the option of uh, choosing to put renewable energy into the into the vehicles. So we do that for our ultra-rapid network, for example. We The entire ultra-rapid network that we have is powered by renewable, 100% renewable energy. So anytime charging happens there, it is completely green. Uh, many people um, can use the solar off their rooftops to charge their vehicles. That is completely green. Uh, and you can also just choose to buy renewable energy um, for your house if you if you want to. So when you plug it at home, you can power by renewable energy. So certainly, um, once electric vehicles are on the road, the power in them becomes more and more renewable over time, and we can make choices to increase that sufficiently um, if we if we want to as well. Given electric vehicles are an important part of our renewable energy future, but the infrastructure is still being developed, when will we see that mass market adoption in Australia? Clearly the thing there is cost. You know, people are most focused on what does an EV cost, both primarily what does it cost to buy, but also what does it cost to own and operate that EV over time. The research that we've shown and a lot of global research shows that electric vehicles will be cheaper than the equivalent petrol vehicle around mid-2020, so sort of 2024, 25. That's the point that you can expect to see mainstream consumers take up electric vehicles. Of course, there's a variety of um, uh, uses or types of users who will struggle with charging. Uh, if you have your own garage or off-street parking, it's actually pretty easy to charge your vehicle because we've got an existing electricity network which lets you charge your vehicle at home. Uh, more work has to be done on intercity charging so you know traveling from sydney to melbourne or sydney to brisbane or melbourne to adelaide and arena has been involved in co-funding two intercity charge networks which will establish the first ultra rapid or fast charging stations that will allow you to travel seamlessly if you like between those um, cities and then the other challenge is just urban off-street infrastructure so more has to be done to allow people who don't have off-street parking to charge their electric vehicles, whether that's on the street or at shopping centres or uh, other public spaces. Um, there's, there's a bunch of work to be done there. But by and large, I think it's the cost issue up front and, and what we're seeing is costs. Vehicle availability 
going up. So more vehicles are, are, are available now in Australia and that'll just increase and costs are coming down as the manufacturing um, scales up so that the costs of those vehicles will come down. And we know that electric vehicles are cheaper to run than petrol vehicles. So uh, it'll just be a net benefit eventually that, that people will, will uh, be compelled to want to have an electric vehicle. Demand for electric vehicles was very slow in the beginning, but Tesla, in a way, changed attitudes, I think, more than public money. These days, electric vehicles are chic. Young boys, 18, 19, 20, they don't dream about buying a Porsche anymore. They dream about buying a Tesla. And uh, um, they tell their parents, don't buy a Mercedes, buy a Tesla. Well, usually you can't afford a Tesla, <laughs> but uh, it still makes you think about these things. And even though right now we only have like 80,000 pure battery electric cars on the street, that is 1.5 times more than last year. And that was already 1.5 times more than the year before. So you can see it's really taking off. Throughout this episode, we've been talking specifically about battery electric cars and their impact on our energy system. But as Dr. Finkel mentioned earlier, electric cars can also be powered by hydrogen. So which technology will we be using to power our rides in the future? Here's Darren Miller. Yes, I think we'll have both types of vehicles. We'll have battery electric vehicles and hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. They're different energy storage mediums. One is chemical battery, the other one is hydrogen as a compressed gas, both electric drivetrains. I think the jury is still out as to where that line gets drawn between what's best applied for battery electric and what's best for hydrogen uh, fuel cell vehicles. But it seems to be that battery electric vehicles are better for short distance domestic use cases and fleets and then as the vehicles get heavier and the distances get longer hydrogen has a preferred role to play because you can go longer distances uh, and power heavier transport because the batteries if you think are very heavy things as you scale your your truck or your uh, bus and um, you're, you're lugging around a heavy battery whereas hydrogen is quite uh, compressed and quite light compared to um, the batteries that you've got to carry around so there's a balancing point in the middle there there'll be uses where hydrogen and batteries play both a role but it's likely that the smaller vehicles will be battery electric and the larger vehicles will be hydrogen And in the next episode, hydrogen. How can it be harnessed for renewable energy? Is green hydrogen the key to unlocking our clean energy future? Everything is converging to make it likely that this time around, hydrogen will have a very viable future. Rewired is brought to you by ARENA, the Australian Renewable Energy Agency. We work to support Australia's energy transition. Since 2012, we've provided $1.4 billion in grant funding to more than 500 projects. And you can find out more about our electric vehicle programs on our website, arena.gov.au.